Hi everyone. Welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm Ashwarya, your host for this episode, and I'm Aryan. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon and subscribe for amazing exclusive features like merch, awesome extra episodes, early access episodes, video calls with us and more. To help the podcast out and to avail these benefits, go to www.patreon.com/desicrime and select a tier that works best for you. So far, I've told you the story of a seemingly loving and happy couple, Nancy and Amarji Chauhan, with two babies living in a house in London. Until all five members of the family, three of whom are adults, just vanished like they never existed. Everyone said it seemed like the family had voluntarily left until Omkar Verma, Nancy's brother, decided to go on a wild hunt for his family because he knew something was wrong. Omkar's hunt though seemed to only be leading to more questions than answers. But we'll give you the answers too. And for that, welcome back to the second part of the disappearance of the Chauhan family. Okay, Aryan, so our second video on YouTube released this Wednesday. It, it was did. the honeymoon murder. Yeah, what do you think? Um, that case, in and of itself, is one of my favorite. Right, and you know, I have uh, a very controversial stance where I think Shreyan is innocent. Yes, um, you do. And but that video, it's so well produced. It's just amazing to see what we are putting out. Um, and I'm, you know, so eager for you guys to check it out. So. As we always say, link in the episode description or just Google YouTube uh, Desi Crime Podcast and it should pop up. Yeah, and somehow the response for the second video has been as incredible as the first one. One would assume the first one would be incredible because of the hype we created. Yeah. But people stuck around and came back for the second one in just as many numbers. So that's and incredible. The comments are so endearing. Just so much love. Again, thank you so much, guys. Yes, thank you. All right. So, Ashwara left us on a cliffhanger left us itching for what happens next um <laughs> yes. so far you told us the love story of Nancy and Amarjeet Chauhan so let me just do a little housekeeping for everybody Amarjeet was a former convict put in jail on charges of tax evasion but you told us that once he got out he turned his life around divorced his first wife of nearly two decades and married the much younger Nancy he started a freight business through which he became a millionaire and then by 2003 had two children with Nancy. Life was going smooth until he, followed by his wife and his two kids and his mother-in-law, all vanished in thin air. Onkar and the cops go on this hunt where they realize Amarjeet's company had been sold under suspicious circumstances the day that he had disappeared. And now the cops have honed in on one worker from Amarjeet's company who seems suspicious to say the least. Kenneth Regan, a sort of drug lord type of character with a 
bunch of money. It seems like Kenneth had something to do with selling off Amarjeet's company to his own love interest, Belinda Bruin. And just after the sale, the family disappears. But you ended the last episode on a huge cliffhanger. William Hornsey, a friend of Kenneth Regan, tells the cops that he is going to meet Amarjeet and the cops can follow him. But also, a father and son canoeing find something floating in the waters on a beach two hours away from London. What the hell is going on? (laughs) Okay, before we start this case, a huge shout out to the BBC Channel 4 documentary on the Trahan murders. All of the audio in this episode is taken from the documentary and it made an invaluable source for information for this episode. But Aryan, I understand your frustrations. I understand the frustrations of all of our listeners who texted saying that this was too huge a cliffhanger to leave them on and too long a wait for the answers. So let's go back to where we left off. The cops were about to go see Belinda at her farmhouse, the same farmhouse that Regan seemed obsessed with. But then suddenly, the cops cancelled. They cancelled because, like you said, Aryan, they had received a call from Regan's friend, William Hornsey, who said Amarjeet had called him and he was actually not in France or in India, but still in England. He needed fake passports. Hornsey told the cops they could follow him to his meeting point with Amarjeet and arrest him if they wanted to. The cops thought they were close to cracking this case. So they cancelled on Belinda and decided to follow Hornsey to his meeting point with Amarjeet the following Monday, the Monday of Easter. But before Monday could roll around, on Saturday, Belinda received an unexpected visit from Regan again. Regan again had something that he said he'd like to fix on Belinda's land. This time, it was the lane next to the stables where Belinda had horses. This lane needed graveling and levelling. It really did need work. And so Belinda agreed. That afternoon, a huge digging truck arrived on Belinda's land. A truck just like the one that had come the day that the drainage ditch was being dug. But this time, it wasn't suspicious to Belinda. She had agreed to have Regan do work on her land. And Ashwara, do you know if, you know, she was paying him to do this work or was this all out of quote-unquote goodwill? No, this was all out of goodwill. He would just show up. She wasn't even asking for him to do these things. He would just show up and do these. Right. So how is that not super suspicious? And not suspicious in terms of burying a body suspicious, right? Which is what we're all thinking right now. Let's address the elephant in the room. But (laughs) just suspicious in the most weird kind of way that this creepo guy who is a stalker, who gets you a job, is now offering free services in terms of fixing the horse stable. Like, what kind of a person says, okay, fix my horse table for free. Thank you very much. A kind of weirdo like Kenneth Regan. And I don't think Belinda was completely oblivious to his weirdness. From every interview, it seems like she knew he was a creep. She knew all of these were weird signs. But remember how we discussed in the last episode that she was in a really precarious position with her boyfriend breaking up with her, she moving to this huge plot of land without a job, she having two kids studying in expensive private schools... There's not much she could have done. It seemed like just an obsessive man offering unnecessary help. That seems like the worst of it. To her at least. And so mm. she accepts. Yeah, not falling for it. Not not yet. I'm not sold, but okay. Yes, you're right in not being sold. 
But Arya and Belinda had agreed to have Regan do this work on her land. She saw the truck, she thought it was normal, and went on with her day while Regan began work on her land. She took her kids out into town just for an outing, a fun trip, leaving her land and her home to Kenneth Regan. When Belinda returned, her road was graveled and leveled just like she had wanted, and nothing seemed out of place. Then Easter Monday rolled around, the day that Hornsey was supposed to meet Amarjeet in Wales to hand him some fake passports for his family. The meeting location was decided. Outside the passport office in Newport in Wales, there's an iconic bronze statue of a pig. It was next to that statue that Hornsey said he'd be meeting Amarjeet. On the day of this meeting, it wasn't just Hornsey who came to wait for Amarjeet, Regan came along too. The two stood next to the bronze statue, waiting and waiting and waiting, but Amarjeet didn't arrive. The cops stood on the sidelines, watching with caution, waiting for Amarjeet to turn up, but he did not. Instead, the cops noticed that while the men were waiting for Amarjeet, they got a call. The cops couldn't hear the conversation, but they could tell from the body language of Hornsey and Regan that something had gone wrong. Hornsey and Regan walked over to the police after the call and told them that someone who knows Amarjeet had just called them, letting them know that the deal was off. Amarjeet had found out that the two men had involved the cops and so he wouldn't be meeting them at all. The cops traced back the call in hopes for a clue, but the number went back to an unregistered phone. The trail went dead again. Now the police returned to their original plan, the plan to question Belinda Bruin. And they called her to the police station. D.I. Rao said to me, I want to have a full and frank discussion with you. And as I was leaving, Regan said to me, listen, Belinda, if the police ask you what I was doing on your land, he said, you're to tell, he said just tell them that I was helping you with your water system. I thought that was very odd. I mean, he'd said he'd look at it, but no work had been done on it. And I just thought it was odd. When Belinda went to the police station that day, the cops asked her to tell them everything. She said there was nothing to tell. There was nothing she was hiding. She had already told them everything that she knew. The cops then asked her if there was anything at all, anything else, that had stood out to her as suspicious, anything that was odd. And she told them of how Regan had just a few hours ago told her to tell the cops that he had only been working on the water system on her land. Thank God. The cops looked surprised. They asked Belinda, so what was he really doing? He dug a drainage ditch, she said. The cops looked at each other and said, he did what? (laughs) Exactly. Now, Aran, this was a huge development in the eyes of the cops. They were sure there was something inside that drainage ditch, possibly the bodies of all members of the Chauhan family that Regan had decided to hide on Belinda's farm. So they rushed to Devon, where Belinda's house was, prepared to crack this case this time. They took with them men to dig up the ditch. They took with them forensic analysts to collect all the fingerprints and footprints from around the ditch. They took other police officers, forensic archaeologists, pathologists and videotaped the whole exhumation of what they thought was the site where they would find five dead bodies. The entire video of this is available on our Instagram at Desi Crime for you to find. 
they spent five days digging apart the drainage ditch Regan had created. Five whole days. But the bodies they were so sure they were going to find inside did not exist. There was nothing in that land. It was just simply a drainage ditch. While the cops were conducting this five-day search into the drainage ditch, in April of 2003, by which time the cops had been searching for the family for two months now, on a bright sunny day, a father and son, Dave and Carl Chapman, ventured out into sea. Slowly, they went further into the water than they had originally planned when they both noticed something floating in the water. And it stood out to them. It was unusual. The father and son rowed their canoes towards the floating object and immediately knew what it was. It was a body. The feet pointing upwards, head and torso down inside the water. It was obvious whoever this was had not just drowned right now. They had been dead and in the water for a while. The body had inflated, filling up with water and as a consequence looked large. The son rushed inside to call 999 while the father stayed out in the water with the body. I was determined to stay with the body, come what may. But I expected the rescue service to come sooner rather than later, said the father. But the father stayed in the water, in the dark, on his canoe, next to a dead body, for three whole hours, waiting for help to arrive. I can still see the body floating, he says. Help finally arrived three hours later and took the body to a mortuary in the same town where the body was found. But it took officials a week before they drew the connection between the body and Onkar Verma, a man looking for his disappeared family. When Onkar arrived at the mortuary where the body was being kept, when the white sheet was removed to show Onkar the face of the body, he only had one thing to say. His brother-in-law, Amarjeet, had suffered a tragic death. I went to Bournemouth and saw the body. The first time I had a look on Neil's face, I could I could see that he suffered a tragic death. He was he suffered a violent death. Amarjeet's body, the one found in the water, had received a blunt trauma injury to the back of his head. There was that horrendous brown duct tape that we've all seen growing up, taped all around his mouth and his head. And he had also been suffocated. It was the blow to his head and the suffocation that was determined to be the cause of Amarjeet's death. At exactly the time this body was found in the water, the cops were still in the middle of their search at Belinda's house. I told you, the cops had expected to find bodies inside, but there were none. But they found so many other clues from inside the drainage ditch, which made it immediately clear to the cops that even though the bodies weren't in the ditch anymore, the ditch had once been a burial site for someone. From inside the ditch, the cops found trunks of hair, jewellery, burnt pieces of clothing. The hair was matched to the DNA of Amarjeet's body found at sea, and the analysis confirmed the hair belonged to him. Shira, I, I, I don't get this. So are you telling me there is the slight possibility that he was originally buried there because you're saying the hair does match to Amarjeet's, but then somehow taken out and disposed of in a different manner? Or 
was it only his hair that was buried there for some weird reason it wasn't just his hair that was buried the drainage ditch was too enormous for its purpose to just be buried hair but we'll get to that don't jump the gun just yet i'll give you all of the answers so basically what you need to know is that amarjit had been murdered brutally buried inside the drainage ditch in bilinda's house taken out of the ditch and then thrown into the water the news of his dead body being found sent shock waves across his company seba freight until his body was found we all hoped that he would be back one day even if he had sold the company or not he would still be back one day just to to visit us or what whatever but when his body was found you had just lost all hope and that was it, it was the end of end of him but then our concerns sort of we knew what happened to neil but then our concerns drifted towards nancy and the kids and the mother but what about the rest of the family where was nancy her mother and her two babies like i said there was something very suspicious about the drainage ditch that stood out to the cops it was an enormous hole in the ground if the purpose of it was just to bury amarjeet or even just his hair there was absolutely mm. no reason to make it that big that combined with the fact that the cops had found jewelry inside which they think belonged to nancy combined with the fact that there was burnt pieces of clothing that seemed like baby clothes all pointed to the fact that the entire family had been buried at the site at some point and they had all been eventually taken out of there the cops also noticed burnt ash and char around the ditch which made it obvious that there had been a fire started deliberately at that location something had been burnt there from this point on this was no longer a possible missing persons case this was a category a case as the cops describe it an investigation into multiple brutal murders and the prime suspect for this case was kenneth regan and his friend william honsey but both regan and honsey were nowhere to be found the cops had no idea where the men had gone until one random day When Belinda was driving up the mud lane in her house, she saw the two men in their car waiting for her in her parking lot. "We need to have a chat. Why don't you get into the car? We'll go get a coffee," Regan said. Belinda knew there was absolutely no way she was getting in the car with these men. She knew that they had dug up the dish in her house and put bodies inside it. And so she told the men that she needed to put something in her shed and that she'd be back in just 2 minutes. She drove away in a panic, called the police who dispatched officers to her house, but by the time the officers arrived, Regan and Honsey had gone away, leaving no trace. But I hope you all remember Regan and Honsey had a third partner too. Remember there were two men digging the drainage ditch? One was Honsey and the other was a man named Peter Rees. Regan and Honsey had run away to Europe together, leaving Peter Rees alone in the UK. Being left alone like that gave Rees the time to think about his actions, about his role in hiding and possibly even committing a murder. And slowly, while he was moving around from one hostel in the UK to another, trying to hide from the police, he started to feel guilty. 
he sat down one evening with a woman who owned the hostel he was living in and he told her everything he asked this woman if she had seen him on tv she said she hadn't he said he had been on tv because he was accused of disappearing and killing an asian family but he said he hadn't killed anyone he had only helped hide the bodies he tells this woman that regan was the crazy one he was a psycho because he had killed two little babies by shooting them with a gun he killed them all reese told this woman this woman knew what she had to do the moment she heard reese narrate this to her she knew she had to tell the authorities it took 12 days for the cops to find reese who was again on the run but once he was caught he refused to give the police any details while the police were interrogating reese they got some news a fisherman had found a body floating in the water this body had decomposed almost completely and so the cops gave onkar the option to not see it at all if it would be too traumatizing but onkar knew he needed to see the body it was his baby's sister's body after all he said that in his mind she was still alive as if she had just spoken to him there was no way he wasn't seeing her one last time even if the first time he was seeing her in 9 years was after she had died i was told that nancy's body was decomposed but i insisted on seeing the body because for me it was not a skeleton for me it was my baby sister for me she was she, she was still alive and i was talking to her and that was it a tearful goodbye that's what i said i i felt sorry that i couldn't see her i did say that nancy i tried my best but i couldn't save you And then finally after two months on the run the police found Kenneth Regan in Belgium and brought him back to England. Yeah and just to clarify for our listeners right it's not the same as say the Indian police um finding a you know murder convict in Dubai for example even though they are there, you know Belgium and UK are different countries this is when UK was part of the European Union and the way europe works with its policing and it's just systems it's so integrated that even if a crime is committed in another country the police cooperation is far more than say what would be between a dubai and india or canada and america um which is why it was possible for them to catch the convict in belgium as opposed to within uk you're absolutely right aryan and after regan had been caught 6 weeks after he had been caught William Hornsey voluntarily came forward and gave himself up to the police. No way. Now all three men were in police custody, but none of them spoke a word that would prove useful against them. They refused to answer any questions or give up any details, but three members of the family, Nancy's mother and her two babies, had still not been found. The police needed more clues before they could build up a case strong enough for a strong conviction by the court. So now the police decided to track the phones of Hornsey and Reese too from the day of the Stonehenge meeting. They realized that not only had Amarjeet met Regan at Stonehenge, but Hornsey and Reese were there too. 
all three of their phones traveled south to Salisbury, where their location stopped at an apartment at the address Three Forge Close, the address of Regan's apartment. According to the lead detective in the case, Detective Rowell, in the period that Amarjeet went missing from Stonehenge, there was never a period of time where at least one of the three men were not at Three Forge Close. One of them was always at Regan's apartment, leading the cops to believe that Amarjeet was being held captive there and one of the three men always stayed there to guard him and make sure he didn't escape. While the police were trying to find more clues to build a strong case, William Hornsey's son unexpectedly visited the police one random afternoon. He gave them a grey suitcase and a coloured printer. Inside the suitcase were 10 blank A4-sized sheets with Amarjeet's signature on them. The printer and sheets showed the police exactly how Regan had managed to convince everyone at Siba that Amarjeet had sold off his company and just decided to leave the country. In fact, the cops think the entire reason Amarjeet was being held in Regan's apartment at Three Forge Close was because Regan needed Amarjeet to sign these blank sheets of paper so he could easily take over his entire business once he killed him. According to Detective Rowell, once Regan had decided to kill Amarjeet, it was obvious to him that he also had to kill the entire family. There was no way that Amarjeet could be killed and disappeared and the company could be sold without Nancy raising an alarm and Regan getting caught. If Nancy was going to be killed, her mother needed to be killed. And of course, the kids would have to be killed too. It was the only logical way of getting away with this crime, making sure none of them survived. And so... The decision to commit a five-person murder, framed like a disappearance, was made. These murders meant as little to Regan as changing his shirt, said Detective Rowell. On the day that Nancy, her mother and the kids disappeared, Peter Reese's location was still three forged clothes where Amarjeet was being kept, but Regan and Hornsey's location was Hunslow, London, where the Trohan family home was and their location remained there for many hours. The police suspect that is where and when the rest of the murders took place or at least began. But this was all circumstantial evidence. The police needed to prove through either DNA evidence or eyewitness accounts that the murders took place in those two locations, Amarjeet's in Reagan's apartment and the rest of the families in Hunslow, London. Ashwara, but all circumstantial evidence is not built the same. Like, this is circumstantial evidence that clearly finds them guilty. It's it. I I mean, I of course, having DNA evidence is going to make it much more stronger. But this is not circumstantial evidence that is on, you know, a weak ground. It's, there is uh, geolocation via the phone. There is, um, I think there's plenty of evidence just right now. I think around the only thing the cops have is the geolocation. And when they're taking a case this big of these many murders, I'm not an expert on how these investigations take place, but I can see why they would want an airtight case with absolutely yeah, no yeah, room of course, for any questioning. Of course, but it's not like it's, it's, it's no, going to slip out of nothing. their hands. This is enough for, I think, everyone to justifiably convince that these men committed yeah, these yeah, murders. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But yeah. courts of laws function more strictly than our normal opinion, so it makes sense. But Aran, when the cops entered Regan's apartment and put it through a forensic examination to find more clues, nothing came up 
absolutely nothing. Why? Because Regan had, quote, redecorated his entire house right after Amarjeet went missing. He had taken out his old carpets and replaced them with new ones, changed the covers on all of his couches and sofas, and essentially uprooted and changed the whole crime scene. But one very simple yet eerie clue was going to crack this case open. A clue left behind by Amarjeet himself. This clue didn't catch the attention of the forensic scientists for eight months after Amarjeet's body was found. But as the details of the murder became clearer, the scientists realized that what they had found was going to be critical in proving that it was Regan who killed Amarjeet. Inside Amarjeet's sock was found a letter. A printed letter. The letter was from a building society addressed to Kenneth Regan. And the date on the letter? 12th of February 2003, the day that Amarjeet didn't come home. The address on the letter? Three, forge, close. Ashwara, are you telling me that with his dying breaths as he was being held captive, he had the mental acuity, the sensibility to tuck a letter in his sock because foreseeably the police will use that as evidence in the future. That's exactly what happened, Aryan. According to the detectives, there must have been some point while he was being held captive that Amarjeet realized he wasn't going to survive. They were going to kill him. So he snuck this random letter with Regan's name, address and the date of his abduction into his sock in the hopes that someone will find it and realize who to suspect for his murder. Wow, Ishwara, wow. Aryan, this letter had survived being buried and being in the water with Amarjeet's body only because of how many times Amarjeet had folded the letter before he snuck it into his sock. This letter, just the thought of it, just imagining how much fear Amarjeet must have been in to put it into his sock, sends chills down my spine. It's terrifying. But Amarjeet will never know that this letter he snuck into his sock helped crack the case for the murder of him and his entire family. The cops now had an airtight case. There was no jury or judge in the world who won't see that in fact Regan, along with Hornsey and Reese, had killed the Chauhans. The trial finally began in 2005, two years after that fateful Valentine's Day in February when they had all gone missing. And the jury came back with a unanimous verdict. This case quickly became the longest criminal trial in the history of England's Central Criminal Court. Peter Rees was sentenced to 23 years in prison for Amarjeet's murder, while Kenneth Regan and William Hornsey were given five consecutive life sentences, meaning they will never be able to leave prison. They will die inside its walls. Eventually, a while after the trial, the body of Nancy's mother, Charanjit Kaur, was found off the coast of the Isle of Wight, also drowned like the other bodies of the two adults. But the bodies of the two babies, one-year-old Davinder and eight-week-old Ravinder, were never found. This is what Detective Rahul had to say about the murder of the two babies. I think that the, the killing of any child is extremely tragic. And I think as a police officer, having investigated such crimes, you can normally see a reason why that happened. 
someone snapped, someone was depressed, someone was mentally ill. And there's normally a variety of motivations for a child being murdered. In these circumstances, the motivation was purely self-gain and greed. And for me, I found that uh, particularly horrific. But while it was the letter that Amarjeet had snuck that cracked the case, this case only ever was solved because of one man, Onkar Varma. After the trial, Onkar returned to New Zealand. He says he still gets nightmares and visions about the death of his family. He still wonders who was killed first and how. Was his mother killed in front of Nancy or Nancy in front of his mother? Were the babies killed in front of Nancy? He still thinks about it and he'll never know. Onkar had never met Nancy's kids or Amarjeet. He had never seen their house where they lived together. He had never seen how the couple were around each other. He didn't know if they were in love or happy together. But remember that video we talked about in the first episode? The video filmed just two days before Amarjeet disappeared? Onkar watched that video over and over again. And from that video, he only realized that the home of his sister was a happy and loving one. In the video, he can see one-year-old Davinder taking his first steps. He can see Nancy and Amarjeet joking around with each other, being loving and playful as they fix their backyard. He sees his mother playing with the two babies. At least through this video, Onkar had the satisfaction of knowing that up until the day Amarjeet disappeared, his sister had lived a happy and fulfilling life. She had been surrounded by love and joy. When I found Nancy's video was filmed just two days before the disappearance. Hello. Nina, 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 Nina. And I could see in the video the family celebrating life and the kids playing in the house. Joy. The eldest son, he took his first steps in the video and my mom, she was very happy in the video. <laughs> When I had a look at the video, I was very happy, you know, because I never actually saw Anil and Nancy living together. Do it properly, Gardner. Very nice. But through that video, I came to know that Nancy was very happy with Anil and she was, you know, she was very lucky to have a guy like Anil with her. Every time I close my eyes, I can I can see Nancy smiling and as if nothing has happened, she's still there and she's waiting for me to come over. 